You've heard me say this before. The English language is a very, for lack of a better word, it's a very primitive language. Compared to other languages, it's not a very descriptive language. So when we take a word like love and we see that word like love, especially in the context of the Bible, so many times we don't truly grasp the concept of what's being taught about. For example, when we use the word love, we say, man, I love pizza. And I love pizza. But we turn around and we use that same word and say, man, I love my wife. Now, I love pizza. But I don't love pizza like I love my wife. But that's our language. It's just not a very descriptive language. In the Bible, there's three different meanings, three different root words when you see the word love. And, and there's um, phileo love. It's, it's, it's where we get the word Philadelphia from, the city of brother love. It's a brotherly love. It's kind of a friendship love. It's a homey love. It's, man, we're, we're together. We're buddies. We're pals. There's agape love. It's just this unconditional, big love generic term love that, man, we love people no matter what. When you're looking in through the Bible, there's a, an eros love, and, and that's a passionate, that's a uh, sexual love. And um, if we're ever going to truly grasp love, and we're going to grasp the power of love, especially in the context of a relationship, a marriage, we've got to get to the point that we understand in order for our relationship to stand the test of time, it takes all three of those loves. There's a time that it takes that passionate love, and especially in the early days it has that. And, and then so many times people move past that or it doesn't become to the forefront and they think they've lost something when in many ways they've went deeper. They've, they've moved into this agape love. They've moved into this unconditional love. And it's such a, a more powerful type of love. And there will be different ebbs and different flows throughout marriage. But here's the reality of the situation. I'm going to give you some earth-shattering news today that maybe you've never thought about because that's what I try to do. And here's the thought for today. Marriage is crazy. Two different people with two different backgrounds Raised in two different ways, with two different points of view, and two different ways the things they think ought to be done being done. And they have to come together and become one. And then they're told you have to do this for the rest of your life. That's crazy. That's insane but it's so powerful. There's nothing in the world harder than marriage. Marriage is amazing, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. There's nothing that I love more. My proudest accomplishment in my life is not all the things I've done professionally. It's not my children, though I'm very proud of them. It's my marriage to Christine. But make no mistake about it, all day, every day, 
Just like the Waffle House, baby, 24-7, 365 days, not closed for the holidays, marriage is work. And the problem becomes is that we don't realize that marriage is work, and therefore we're not willing to put the work in, and we wonder why for the first time in our history, the divorce rate has ventured well over 50%. Over 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's how crazy it is. You've got a one and two shot of making it on your first marriage. Over 70% of second marriages fail. And the stats keep going up and up and up. In order to have a relationship that stands the test of time, We've got to get past this idea that movies have taught us and television has taught us and good God, fake book has taught us that marriage is just some easy thing and when you're meant to be, you're meant to be. You know the biggest lie in the world I I hate drives me freaking nuts? They're my soulmate. They're the one and only for me. Here's the problem with the one and only. The first time somebody messes up and doesn't marry their one and only, that messes it up for everybody. It's a chain reaction. Because I married this person who's not my one and only. So now the person that was supposed to marry this person that was their one and only is now marrying someone who's not their one and only. So we're all screwed up because one idiot messed up and didn't marry his one and only. It's the biggest bunch of crock I've ever heard in my life. But we live in this day and time where we think marriage is just this easy thing and if you're in love, you're in love. No, here's the reality that we need to accept today. There is power in love and power can change everything, but power is work. Love is work. Marriage is work. I remember one time Christine and I were talking and we were going through something. We'd been through so much. I don't remember what we were going through at this time. And we had just come out of her grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. And for whatever reason, we were, they were over at our house for some reason. And somehow I got in the room with only her grandfather. It's me and him. And I said, man, 50 years. I said, man, Christine just loved your marriage. And says, man, it's amazing. She never saw this and never saw you fight, never saw that. And her grandfather looked at me and said, no, we fought a lot in 50 years. And he said something, I'll never forget what he said. He said, but we didn't have cell phones back then. He said, so we weren't able to get on the phone immediately and run our spouse down to all our friends and all our family members. We had to work through it. And he said, every time we had a disagreement, we didn't get on social media and post it for all the world to see. We had to work through our things, an amazing concept. Everyone didn't know our business. He said, oh, it's work. Marriage is work. But it's so worth working for. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave him a helpmate, a partner. Not someone for us to lord over, but someone us to do life with. Where their strengths are our weaknesses, and our weaknesses are their strengths, and we become one. But the problem is, we get married, and we quit putting the work in anymore. 
You don't fall out of love. You got lazy and quit working at your marriage. You quit doing the things you used to do, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But a, a marriage is all about sowing, and you put into the marriage, and you put into the marriage, and you say, what if they're not putting into the marriage? No, we're talking about you. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. And eventually you sow, you reap. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in Galatians, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's the promise you can take to the bank. If you sow, you will reap. That doesn't mean that you'll reap tomorrow. It doesn't mean you'll reap five years from now. In some situations, it might not even mean you reap with the person you're with today. Hello? But you sow, and you sow, and you sow. You put in the work, and the Bible comes along and says you will reap. And notice the thing about this verse. It doesn't say anything about what the other person's doing. It doesn't say if they're sowing, you sow. It says you sow. We're to give an account for our own actions. We're to sow, and the promises, and in time, we will reap. There's power in love. It's not about money. It's not about possessions. It's not about all the things listed in that song that he says. It's just the power of love, but we have this wrong illusion of what love is. We think love is some feeling. There's times you're not going to feel like loving the person you're with. They're human. Unless you're married to me. Then you're really never going to feel like loving the person you're with. There's times you're not going to like the person you're married to. But you can still love the person you're married to and you can still invest and pour into them. So what we're going to do today is we're going to get real, real basic and we're going to be real, real quick. Because I'm hungry and I still got to do a wedding. And we're just going to have some reminders today. Very practical message today. Kind of a weird message, especially with so many first-time guests here because of the wedding. But you get to see action and all its flaws and all its weird glory today. Because I'm going to show out some principles to you that will change your life, and I'm going to back them up with the Bible, and they're going to make you uncomfortable today. But here's the problem, you need to hear them, because the problem is the churches remain silent on subjects like this. We've talked to I, so many preachers, of God said, just give it to God. Just do this. No, no, we need to get practical, and the Bible's a practical book. And the Bible talks specifically about some actions that we need to put into our relationship. And I hope James, and I hope Jennifer, I hope they stand the test of time. But the only way they're going to stand the test of time is when that Eros love starts to fade and it becomes that agape love or it becomes that phileo love and they're willing to still put the work in. That's hard for men because men are conquerors. We conquer things. That's what we do. My wife. What? Then it's like, Conquer job, conquer career. Women are nurturers. They think they got to settle down and calm us down. Now they move their attention on. And I, my wife gets mad every time I talk in big, broad strokes like that. I'm not saying every person falls under that situation. But women are nurturers. They think, man, I've got them to settle down. And now they move on to raising the kids and, and, and being domesticated and all that stuff. And we got to keep doing what we used to do. Today's message is going to be a little bit PG-13. If you have kids under sixth grade, we have a great kids area. So I'm not apologizing for what they hear today because the reality is they're hearing worse at school. So they probably need to hear the truth anyway. 
we, we serve an incredible God. We serve a God who literally took nothing and spoke everything into existence, including marriage. And everything that we have and everything that we enjoy is a gift from God. Marriage is a gift from God. God looked at man and he created everything. He created the fish and the animals and the land and the day and the night and the water and everything. And every time he created something, the Bible says he said it was good. And then he created man and he never said it was good. He looked down and saw that man was missing something. That there was something lacking with man. I heard a preacher one time say he looked at man and said, I can do better than that. And he created a woman. He created something to complete us. Somebody for us to do life with and have victories with and sorrow with and laugh together and cry together and fight together and take on the world together and grow old together. But the reality is, is it is a hard thing and you've got to be willing to put in the work. He gave us marriage as an awesome gift. He gave us intimacy as a great gift. He gave us sex as a great gift. Newsflash for you, God created sex. I know that's earth-shattering for some of you, and it just made some of you uncomfortable because you haven't had sex in so long even though you're married. You're not only talking about sex. Yeah, God, there's a reason the parts go together. There wasn't like a naked woman and a naked dude running around a track one day who ran to each other and was like, oh, that fit. Oh. No, the parts are made to go together. That's an awesome God. God created it for us to enjoy, to be one with our spouse. And yet, sex is the number one reason, or lack of sex, let's back that up. This awesome gift that God gave us in the context of marriage is the number one reason people identify for not staying with their spouse. 67% of married people say they don't have sex enough. 78% of people say their sex life lacks excitement and variety. I want to be very careful how I word this, especially we got first-time guests, and I don't want to freak them out too bad. But I, I, and I don't really understand this one. But 64% of men said they don't usually enjoy the benefit of having sex. Only 36% of women said they enjoy it. 57% of women on a regular basis said they lie about enjoying it. Think about that, guys. God gave us marriage and gave us sex. And there's power in love. And our sex lives look like a lot of things, but sexy is not one of them. So what we can keep doing is we can, we can keep doing what the church has done for years and talk about the evils of sex or avoid the context altogether and, and, and talk about the practical steps that it takes for a marriage to last or we can address what the Bible addresses because, matter of fact, there's an entire book in the Old Testament devoted to the love of a man and a woman. The Song of Solomon is a powerful book. It's about King Solomon, and he has a new bride. And, man, they have this love that is incredible. And there's a passion that is incredible. And there's a friendship that is incredible, and there's a bond that is incredible. And there was this amazing love affair and relationship, and it's so 
full of practical advice. But what the church has done is they've turned it into a metaphor. They're like, oh, that's just the love that God has for us. No, no, it's a practical book about a dude and his woman who were crazy in love. And as they got married, they kept working at their relationship because they knew their relationship was worth working for. I heard someone say this week that the biggest cause of lack of passionate love in a marriage is wedding cake. (laughs) They get married and the passion leaves. The problem with that is that seems to contradict what I see in the Song of Solomon. God created sex for man and women to enjoy. And we've got to put some practicality and put in some steps and, and someone told me one time, I said, I just feel like you're putting a formula of love, and that's not very romantic. And I said, well, you're winging it, and that's not very romantic. You're coming to me about how pitiful your marriage is, so you keep doing what you've been doing and keep getting what you've been getting, or we can go back to the book that lays out a formula for us. Solomon was a pimp when it came to this stuff, man. In the book of Proverbs, he's passing wisdom down to his son. And look what he tells his son about his wife. He say, may your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. This is the greatest scripture in all America, that he's, in all the world, in the Bible, that he passes down to his son. He says, your wife is like a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated by her love. Solomon was the wisest man in all the Bible. We got grown people today that just got uncomfortable reading that scripture because you act like you're still in middle school. I wonder what would happen if we had some dads, hey dads, it's Father's Day. If you actually set your kids down like Solomon did and you passed on some of this wisdom to them. Instead of letting them find out what love is through that crap they listen to on the radio and that smut they watch on television and from their sixth, fifth, and sixth grade friends who don't know nothing, but they heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who saw something because they found something in the woods, and like, this is what love is. We've got a generation growing up who doesn't know what love is because we've got a generation of men who don't want to be men and raise their kids. Man, what a joke. Bunch of spineless freaking dudes out there that don't want to lead their home and don't want to lead their children. We used to have this big rock in the back of my house. I mean, it was a huge rock, and we called it the dad rock. My dad used to take us out of that rock all the time, and I can think about all the conversations my dad and I had on that rock where he passed wisdom down to me, and he told me things and told me what was right and told me what was wrong, and I can remember being uncomfortable in some of those situations, but thank God for a dad who loved me enough to want to pass wisdom down to me. Get off your cell phones, Dad. Get off the freaking video games and be a dad. That ain't even part of the sermon. That's free today. I'm in a mood today because I'm so passionate about this subject. I'm sick of seeing the devil win when it comes to marriages because we're lazy when it comes to our marriage. I'm sick of us being lazy and not wanting to put in the work because the work is hard. Anything worth having is worth working for. But we got to do some things. The first thing we got to do is we got to get back to what we used to do. You got to get back to what you used to do. 
I'm so passionate about this. Listen, here's the reason why most of your marriages are crappy. Here's the reason why most of your marriages lack passion. Here's the reason most of your marriages are to the point where you're looking somewhere else. Because you quit doing what you used to do. If you were doing now what you did then, you'd be getting what you were getting then. And if you were doing then what you're doing now, chances are you wouldn't have the person that's with you. You remember the days, back in the day. How many of you remember when there wasn't cell phones? Somebody say amen. And you had the phone line in the house. And your mom and dad could pick it up at any time. Man, you just love you talk. I remember when Christine and I first started dating. This is five, six years ago. I guess about three months into us dating, I took my kids on a, um, on a, on a cruise. And so that was the first time we hadn't been together. And back then, I said, back then in those days, six years ago, like there wasn't unlimited Wi-Fi on cruise ships. And so you had to pay for minutes. I remember I paid this insane amount of money to get 100 minutes of Wi-Fi. And we had coordinated ahead of time every day at this time of the month. We're going to talk. And you know what? It was awesome. And it was the highlight of my day. I couldn't wait to hear from her. And I couldn't wait to have those. I had it played out. I think I, I could talk for 12 minutes a day it, it, to her back through Messenger. Couldn't talk to her on the phone. It was just through, it was either Messenger or text. I don't remember what it was. And it was awesome. And over time, though, man, you quit putting in that work. You lose that excitement. We got to get back to doing what we used to do. I can promise you, you didn't fall in love with your spouse doing what you're doing today. You made time for each other. You made time to talk. And then we use this excuse, well, it was different then. Life happens. Life does happen. And life is insane. And life is stressful. And life is crazy. But you know what's amazing? We find time to do what we want to do. I, I don't understand why we stop doing what we used to do to keep our spouse unless the reality is we don't want to keep them anymore. There's a great verse in Revelation. God's talking to the local churches, but it applies to relationships. And he says this, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. He's saying, you, you've forgotten how it used to be. You've forgotten when they took your breath away. You've forgotten what it was like. And I get, like I said, life happens, kids happen, work happens. But if you want to have a healthy marriage, you got to make sure that's happening too. You know something else this couple did? Not only did they always return back to what they used to do, I said, I'm going to be quick today. I'm going to take pictures of the things. We're going to get this wedding done. They dated each other. Did you know an amazing concept is after you get married, you can still date your spouse? Oh, let me educate you on something. A date means no kids. It's not a date if the kids are That's called a family trip. That's called family dinner, and I mean, y'all have family dinner. But you find time to date your spouse. I just don't have time. But, but you did. But you did have time. Six years ago, I had the same kids I have now, and Christine had the same kids she had now, and I still worked in, and she worked. Matter of fact, she worked more then than she works now. They made time to date each other. Look what it says in Song of Solomon. This dude was a pimp. You need to go read this book. Ladies, don't you read it because you realize how sorry your husband is. 
This is the lady talking. It's a conversation between the man and the woman here. This is the lady talking. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be loved. She's like, he took me out to eat to the banqueting hall. Everyone, and she said, his banner over me was love. He was so proud of who I was. I don't even know what this, I ain't going to tell you what I think it means. But she says, strengthen me with raisins. He's like, give me some energy. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. And then she says, his left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. He's dancing. He's got her pulled close to him. She's getting, like, faint. She's like, give me some fruit, for I pass out over this hump. Telling you, this dude was a pimp. It's right here in your B-I-B-L-E. I tell people, this book's got the answer for whatever you're dealing with. Your sex life sucks. Boom, Solomon. They're on a date. He took her to the banquet hall. Remember those dates? Guys, remember when you'd come pick her up? Who said that? Oh, Tom can say that because his wife goes to another church on Sunday. I can't tell you Mary was sitting right next to him. He wouldn't be saying that. Man, they're on a date. They're going out there enjoying each other's company. They're enjoying being with each other. Look, look what it says in Song of Solomon chapter 10. My beloved spoke to me and said, Solomon is a pimp, I'm telling you. Look what she's saying about him now. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter has passed and the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth and the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit and blossoming vines spin their fruit. Arise, come, my darling. Here's what he's saying. Winter has passed. You've got to understand this day and time. You couldn't do a lot of stuff when it was winter time. And she's sleeping and he wakes up and he realizes that spring has sprung. He's like, arise, let's go. He said, let's go away. Let's get away from here. Let's go enjoy the waterfalls. Let's go hiking. Let's go away for a weekend. When was the last time you and your spouse went away for the weekend? With no kids. We ain't talking about parenting today. We ain't talking about a family trip today. Guys, when was the last time you surprised your wife? When was the last time you surprised your spouse? Not only did they date, man, they understood the importance of getting away, even if it was just for the night. Someone said, I thought we were talking about how to have great sex. Take her away, and you'll have great sex. Pour into her. Make time for her. Get off the business call. Get off Twitter. Quit Instagramming your food. And enjoy the person you're with. Seems it's not a very deep message today. Sometimes you don't need deep. Everybody's like, I just want to go deeper. You can't, you can't deal with the shallow sometimes. I could get deep today. I could break down the word covenant and tell you marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant, and a covenant is a bond between a man and a woman like every freaking preacher around here does. But you can't even do the basics. You can't even take them on a date. You don't need to hear about covenant marriage. You need to hear about, hey, Find a babysitter. Get off work early. Pick her up. Take her to a movie. Take her to a concert. Do something. 
or it's just you too. You get the basics, we'll get deep the next time. How about that? Hey, not only did they date, foreign concept here, guys. You're about to have your mind blown. They talk to each other. Look what she says to him. This is one of the most vulnerable verses in all the Bible. Look what she says to her husband. Dark am I, yet lovely daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kadar and like the tent curtains of Solomon. I'm going to break this down for you and let you know what this means. Do not stare at me because I am dark. I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had in the neglect. This is, this is an awesome verse. She's talking to her husband here. She's saying, don't look at me, I'm dark. Now, it was a different day and time. There. Today, women love to get dark. They love to go lay in the sun. They love to get suntan. In this day and time, that means you were a laborer. That means you had to work in the fields. It means you, you got sunburnt and your skin got dark. In this day and time, fair skin means you were royalty. You stayed in the castle. You didn't have to be exposed to the elements. And she's insecure because of how dark her skin is. She's married to the king. And yet she's like, I, I, I'm not worthy of this. I, I don't deserve this. Like my, my brothers got mad at me and they made me work in the fields and I had to tend to everyone else's business, but I didn't have time to take care of myself. And she's feeling very insecure about how she looks physically. Yet she's so secure in her relationship, she's willing to talk to Solomon about it. When was the last time you were able to talk to your spouse about your biggest insecurities and your biggest fears? in the visions you're dreaming, in what you want out of life. I mean, this is a powerful verse. It's so easy to read and just overlook, but their relationship was so tight that they were able to communicate. When was the last time you truly communicated with the person that you're in a relationship with? You sat down and you really talked, and you were able to lay it all on the line and know it was safe to do that. Christine and I have a pretty good ability to communicate. But i got to be honest with you, the problem is we don't start communicating well. We get a little irritated with each other. We, we, we don't listen to listen. We listen to respond. And, but then we have this ability, it's weirdly, as the time goes on, we calm down and we settle down. We had this happen yesterday. And we're able to communicate, and I'm just like, why didn't we do that to begin with? And, and then my wife said something to me yesterday. She said, we were dealing with an issue, and she said, I, I, I'm angry that I even told you about this issue years ago because now it's affecting me today. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Mm. I want my wife to be able to come to me with any issue and not feel like we have to deal with it years later or that I'm bringing it back up. It was like mm, punch in the gut to say he didn't have that fear. She was able to share her insecurities. Whether her insecurities were valid or not, she was able to share them. You want your relationship to stand the test of time? You ought to have a relationship where you don't have to call your friends to communicate. Not that there's anything wrong with calling your friends. We all need great friends. We don't have to post stuff on Facebook to get validation from everyone. 
we can go to the person that we're in a relationship and communicate, talk about our day. And what, what's amazing to me in this in the Song of Solomon, you'll see they went their separate ways. Solomon would go to work, she would go do her stuff. And then it talks about how at the end of the day they would come back together and they would talk about their day. They would communicate with each other. They didn't sit there in silence. They were excited to share with each other what was going on in their lives. Man, your sex life didn't stop because you got married. You stopped doing what you used to do. You used to talk for hours. Now you text for hours when you're dating someone. Bing, 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 you know. You know, the stuff you don't want them to, you know, the stuff that you don't want, you know, some, you know, the dirty stuff you put on Snapchat to them. But the other stuff you put on text to them. You know, always communicating. Loving to talk to each other. And you get married and it's just ho-hum you don't think about it anymore. We just quit doing what we used to do. Hey, you know something else they did? They looked good for each other. You know what's amazing to me about relationships? We look good for everyone else except the person that we're with. We look good when we go to work. Ladies, you look good when you go out with the girls. Guys, when you go out with the boys, man, you, you, you put on your nice jeans. You know what I mean? But at the house, guys, you're walking around with your dress socks on, your boxers, and your wife beater, like Al Bundy, and you're wondering why she don't find you attractive. Hey, ladies, and I'm all for leggings, but it'd be nice to come home every now and then. You have something different on. You get dressed up for everybody else, but we don't get dressed up for the person that we're with. I just think this is just primitive. I don't care what you think. How about that? Maybe this primitive thinking is why they had such an exciting relationship. So you keep doing what you've been doing. You leave here pissed off at me today. You must not know me well. As long as you're pissed off because I told you the truth, I don't care. It just seems so 1950s. I liken you, my darling. Look what he's talking. He's talking to her. This dude, man. I, listen, he's a pimp. But I'm telling you, don't use these lines. It's a different day and time, okay? I liken you, my darling, to a mare. That's a horse. Among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Now, this is a big deal. He was a king, and the, and the king had the best horses. So he, he's not saying she, like, had a horse face or anything, okay? Man, you look like a horse, baby. Your cheeks are beautiful earrings, and your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. He's like, man, you look good. We went out to a concert last night, and Christine was like, pat out, looking good. And I'm like, man, just throw on something comfortable. I started feeling bad. I got a ratty old T-shirt on and some shorts, and I just really want to justify how I look crappy. You know what I mean? And she said, I just I want to look nice tonight, and I am comfortable. And all night long, man, six years into it, I still caught myself staring at her and looking at her and being like, God, I'm glad she's a little bit slow and blind. Put up with me. I thought to myself, man, she is like one sexy horse. Like a Clydesdale in a Budweiser commercial. <laughs> Listen, this girl was working it. 
She had earrings on, the jewels on. She was working that perfume. She looked good. And he noticed. Guys, <laughs> some idiot to it. She just don't look like she used to. Well, neither do you, fat ass. Like, I can't, there's no other word to use. I'm sorry. Like, what an idiot. Like, this dude used to be like, ripping his gut was out. I'm like, shut up. I don't think we'll be back to this church. It's okay. Go on a diet. Man. Hey, ladies, you'd have never been dressed like you are back in the day when he came to pick you up. Guys, guys, come on now. You didn't show up in your team-building shirt from the company picnic with the hole in it to pick her up on a date. Now, you probably look like an idiot back when you met her, because probably if you met her like six, seven, ten years ago, that's back when affliction was in, so you probably had like jeans that had been bedazzled and, you know, a skull on your shirt, and you look like a douchebag, I get it. But listen, what I'm talking about is you had your best at the time. Get back to putting on our best. Guys, when you first met her, you weren't passing gas around her nonstop. I don't understand why she's not in the mood. The whole house smells like a toxic gas chamber. You think, I like, you think that turns her on? They look good for each other. Ladies, did you know that after you get married, they still are willing to sell you lingerie from Victoria's Secrets? I mean, I'm just saying. Don't get me wrong, man. We dig the Mickey Mouse long shirt that you wear every single night. But man, come on. This lady was working it. Guys, this is how bad it got in the lamb house. I ain't going to lie to you. My wife came to me a few months ago, and on my bed was like some new packages of underwear. I said, I didn't need any new underwear. She goes, you didn't need underwear. Every pair of underwear you have are literally ripped out in the bottom. There's holes all in them, and the elastic is gone from half of them. Guys, just put them on something looks like pat out. Come on. It ain't much work. But you're not willing to put in the work anymore. And you wonder why you're getting the results you're getting. Hey, man, got to get back to doing what you did. He said in Revelation, man, I hold against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. There ain't nothing new you got to do. Just get back to doing what you used to do. Let me give you an amazing revelation. Great sex starts way before the bedroom. Great sex starts way before the bedroom. Great sex starts, guys, this is going to blow your mind. It It was foreign concept to me. It starts before you ever lay a hand on each other. This dude understood this. Look what he told her. He's working it. He knows he's about to bam chicken bow, brown chicken, brown cow. He knows, but he's working it. I ain't going to tell you what I said because my father-in-law was here. But about two weeks ago, I said, blah, 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 blah to Christine. And she, she said, was that supposed to put me in the mood? And you know how you just feel stupid? You're like, Jack, I was like, I thought so. She said, well, it doesn't. So guess what I knew that night? We was going to watch some TV, and we was going to bed. 
Solomon knew. Look what he says again. Don't use these. Don't use these things, okay? He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. You can say that. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Descending from the hills of Gilead. You've got to understand the context here. The goats would come down off the hill and they were beautiful and it was a beautiful scene. Her hair was long flowing and it was thick and it was gorgeous. He's using what he had for the time. Come on, cut the do some slack. Hey guys, he was getting it and we ain't. Man, one. You know, Solomon again, why this dude who ever lived? Look what he says in verse 2. Which again, with some of the crackheads in Cherokee County, this would probably still work really well here. He said, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each of it has its own twin. Not one of them. You know what he's telling you? you got to remember, there wasn't toothpaste and Colgate and dentist visits back then. So, like, everybody didn't have the full set of teeth, okay? Again, kind of like some people in Cherokee County, you know what I mean? But he's like, look at you, baby. All your teeth match. Mm. Your teeth are straight. White like a goat. Like this was a big deal back in the day. Now remember though, she was insecure about her physical appearance. He's combating her insecurity by building her up. Baby, you got that goat hair. You got them goat teeth, they're all straight. Like I love it, it says each one has its twin. Like man, your teeth match. God, I love the Bible. He is laying it on like Donkey Kong, man. He's just a man. He's pouring into her, and she's eating it up. Let me tell you something else you need to do. It's game-changing right here. I've preached this for years. You make your spouse your standard of beauty. You make your spouse your standard of beauty. This right here could save your marriage. God did not give Adam the option of developing a standard of beauty. He didn't ask Adam what he wanted in Eve. He gave him Eve. And Eve became his standard of beauty. One of culture's biggest lies fueled by porn, sinful lust, marketing, is that there's all these different kinds of standards of beauty. God does not give us a standard of beauty. We're all different. God gives us a spouse. Women ought to be tall and this and that, and men ought to be this. I saw something today that said, the, the dad bod is overtaking the six-pack. And I was like, well, it was probably written by a guy with a dad bod. And um, we always are trying to measure what standard of beauty is. Let me tell you what my standard of beauty is. Chicks with tattoos, red hair, muscular legs, foul mouth, looks gorgeous in a dress, looks beautiful in jeans, to wear workout clothes and look hotter than anybody in the world. My why is my standard of beauty. Your wife, what kind of women are you into? What kind of men are you into? The one you're with. 
when they get all of your attention and all of your focus and all your desire, you'll eliminate a lot of heartache and a lot of headaches. Over, look what Job said in Job 31. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. When you turn your affection towards your spouse, it's impossible for it not to affect your sex life. When they have all of your attention, it's impossible for it not to affect your marriage. They'll feel it, you'll feel it. It's game-changing. Look what she said. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. Man, amazing. Last all, and I'm done. We're going to do a wedding. Get creative. Get creative in your marriage. My name is Gary Lamb, and I am the king of non-creativity in marriage. I'm horrible at it. I feel like I'm a pretty creative person in all other aspects of my life. So it's not that I'm horrible at it. It's that I get into a routine and I'm not willing to put the work in. My wife will tell you I am the most non, I can't even remotely be romantic. But you know what I could do? I could do a whole lot better job of trying to be romantic. Marriages work. You need to get creative. If you don't put in the work, Men, if you don't put in the work, ladies, someone else will. Well, if you're truly in love, that won't matter. Maybe not at first. The years go by and they wear you down. And we're born for relationships and we're born for interaction and we're born for intimacy. And if you don't do it, somebody else will. Just practical things I wanted to give you today. But at the end of the day, here's the deal. If you leave here with no other thought, I want you to leave here with the thought, there's power in love. But it's work. Put in the work. Because the work is worth it. Get creative. I had a top 10 list I wrote about how you know your sex life's boring, but I want to get out of here. I'll share that with you next time.